Today's podcast is brought to you by Management and Accounting Professionals, your Loveland-based accounting and tax firm. Do you still need to file your 2019 tax return? Are you a business owner and have questions regarding the SBA loans available to help your business during these uncertain times? We can help. Please call our office at 513-774-9600 or email us at pgross at map, M-A-P, accounting, A-C-C-O-U-N-T-I-N-G dot M-E. Hey, Pam, I have a question for you. What do you got, Ryan? Well, now that the governor is giving the go-ahead and you're the business person here, Pam, is it safe to reopen the Voice of Loveland podcast? <laughs> well, Brian, I'm not sure we ever shut down. And if you really think about it, we actually are the masters of social distancing. We've been on Skype for a while now, and we are miles away from each other. Hello, all, and welcome to an all-new Voice of Loveland, the podcast for ionloveland.com. I'm your host, the Loveland Tadler, Artie Kulik, and with me is right, just the genius of social distancing, and I think she knows miles are bigger than feet, so we're way, way, way <laughs> separated, Pam, and that's the greatest other host, Pam. How are you today? I'm good, Ryan. Welcome, everyone. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about reopening the economy, but in the one week, Pam, since our last podcast, since we record, we record on Wednesdays, they come out on Thursdays. There's been a lot of news in our little town here on the Little Miami River, would you say? Uh, yes, it has been a very, very busy news week <laughs> and continues on today. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, our podcast got changed quite a bit, just what has gone on the last few hours of Wednesday. Since our last podcast, two board members of the Loveland City School Board have resigned. Mr. Art Jarvis, longtime serving former board chair, he did resign and Good for him. That is what we have been saying. That's what other people have been saying. I do believe he did the right thing. And then uh, Mr. Uh, newer board member, Ned Portoon, he also resigned. Now, if you go read his resignation letter, it wasn't because of the failure of the levy. It's more kind of personal things. A couple of my political friends will get this, but we always say when someone resigns in government that they're going to spend time with Andy Card's family. I know there's maybe three people that listen to this that are going to get what I say. But to you three <laughs> people, I shout out. Anyway, so Mr. Portoon, he also resigned, which means there are now two open vacancies on the Loveland City School Board. And a variety, I mean, again, we get information from a lot of places. You hear them talk. From my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Pam, but the school board, basically, it's too late to put your name into the pot because they made a deadline for last Monday, I believe. Yeah, the resignations, uh, what all occurred, I think, on Thursday. And then they said that everyone had, anyone who was interested in filling the seats had to contact the school, put their name in the hat, and the deadline was Monday. So we can encourage you guys to apply because the deadline has now passed. And we know a few people that have applied. I did not, Pam. I don't believe you did either. No. <laughs> Some of you guys out there are breathing, uh, have a breath of relief right now. <laughs> but they, so that that happened. <laughs> uh, there was a school board meeting that went on and on and on. There is stuff we're not going to get into, but there's large education cuts coming from the state due to the coronavirus and problems with the budget. So there's a lot of issues that are going to we're going to have to talk about the schools in the future. I do also know that it is the intention of the three remaining school board members, led by longtime serving board member and chair Dr. Kathleen Lorenz, who did not resign, by the way. But um, 29 years and counting. But their plan is to interview all these people, not in public, and then to make decisions in executive session. Do they have a right to do that? Sure. Should they do that? 
I don't think the public trusts this board at all. I don't think Mr. Jarvis's resignation, which I think helps, but I don't think it's going to completely close the door by not doing a lot of this in public and just kind of coming out and, you know, telling people this is who we decided. I don't think that's good. This isn't about supporting the school boards, supporting the schools, whatever. I'm going to shock some people here, Pam. I actually voted for this school levy. I've made it clear on this podcast. If you guys don't know about me, I'm programmed to vote for these things. I'd never vote for a single one of these board members, but that's neither here nor there. My What I'm saying is I think the trust lies with the board. So I think by them being very non-transparent in how they choose the next board members, that's not a good thing. I agree with you, Ryan, because just because that's the way that it's always been done or that's the way that the process works, uh, you guys can change the process. And I think that you owe it to the community to be transparent, to be fully transparent and to really send the message of, look, guys, we are listening. We want to do what's the, what's the right thing to do. And again, if they go into executive session, they come back out and just name who they know, public discussion or anything else. It just feeds back into that. No trust, no transparency. Well, we've been doing this almost two years now, Pam, and we focus mostly on the city council and all of that stuff can go for the Loveland City Council. And we're going to talk about a couple examples here. But we said this on last week's show. We're going to say it till the time goes on. They're all connected. The, right. the elected officials of the school, the I mean, Dr. Krause, the superintendent, talks about how her and Dave Kennedy, the city manager of Loveland, talk all the time. Yet when we ask for those communications, there is nothing. The city, the city manager, city council, and the school board, and the school administrator, they may talk all the time, but they have no records. They like to do everything in secret because they're all connected. They're all working on the same thing. So while we all celebrate the resignation of... Mr. Jarvis and Mr. Portune, realize it's still business as usual going on around here, which means no transparency. So that you got le- it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that leads me to our city council. And more importantly, and this is going to be kind of a bigger topic because we, you and I have talked about this a lot. Look, it is tiring to say the exact same things about the, the Loveland City Council and how they operate and how they get themselves into boneheaded projects like that garage or the $130,000 master plan. And when we really need leadership, we honestly see why they're boneheaded. Pam, it's tiring because they continue to just barrel down that path of not being competent leaders. Well, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what the past is, regardless of any of that stuff, the only thing we have is today, tomorrow, the future. And we absolutely need people to lead. And because this is, to me, in my my adult life of working in politics, this is one of the greatest tasks that I see on every, every leader across the country in what we call reopening the economy. Now, I'm hesitant to just blindly follow our current city council because of their past. And it makes me, uh, it makes me nervous. It should make all of us nervous. Anyone who's a taxpayer in Loveland should be very, very nervous. This council, led by Kathy Bailey, Rob Weisgerber, Tim Butler, and I'm going to name them, by the way. Tim Butler, Neil Ori, Andy Bateman, Ted Phelps, and Kent Blair. Every one of those council members, and I'm going to give Andy Bateman a small little pass, just a small one. <laughs> Every one of that count, those council members have been reckless and irresponsible with taxpayer money. You mentioned and talked about the garage and talked about this ill-conceived secret plan to build a parking garage that has never been vetted 
never really understood why we even needed a parking garage under good economic circumstances. And then we find out Mr. Kennedy now says, well, it's kind of on hold. Well, thanks a lot, Mr. Kennedy, and thanks a lot, counsel. But the reality is, is we can't get back the million dollars you all spent in preparation for this. And it's spent, Ryan. And it was money that was not budgeted. It's gone. It was to buy land. It was to clear the land. It was for the scope of the project and the design and hiring these people. That is money that is gone. And it's in excess of a million dollars. And we can't get it back. It was never budgeted. And now we need it. And the reality is, is they took it from funds because it was unbudgeted. That money is there for rainy day reasons. Yeah, they, yeah they're, they're called the rainy day we, funds. Yeah, They're called rainy day funds. And now this group of people have recklessly spent us, you know, spent money that we didn't have to begin with. I guess what you're telling me, Pam, is the current council in the history doesn't fill us with a lot of confidence that they're going to make the right economic decisions for the city. I agree. <laughs> Bottom line, Ryan, is we have we need leaders who are smart with money. This group of people is not smart with money. Well, let's talk about what the proactive approaches the city council, Mayor Bailey and all of her boys are trying to do to reopen the economy. I want to start at basically the only thing that they focus on, bars, restaurants, downtown. That's it. Gosh, maybe a week or so ago, it was at the last council meeting, they talked about how they wanted to draft a letter to Governor DeWine to encourage him to open up the the restaurants and bars. As the governor's been laying out the reopening of, of stuff, he hasn't talked about places you get your hair cut, uh, beauty salons. Uh, restaurants, bars, all that other stuff. And in that council meeting, all the council members, not all of them, but I know quite a few of them. I know Mr. Phelps made mention of it. Before I move on, Pam, did not Mr. Kennedy say in the finance meeting that the downtown restaurants and bars are insignificant to our tax dollars? Yes, he did. (laughs) All right. We're going to bring that up all the time, by the way, so you guys know, because it's important to know. But anyways, They crafted this letter. It's somewhere deep on the city's website. You sent it to me, and all the council members signed it. But then all of a sudden today, the day we record this, which is May the 6th, the city released a letter only signed by Mayor Kathy Bailey and Vice Mayor Robert Weisgerber. A couple of questions I have. And basically, the letters have the same kind of idea. Please give guidance to our restaurants and bars to open. The second letter was more kind of like, these. this is our lifeblood. This is what we need. This is what it is. Because again, this is how our city leaders are focusing on reopening Loveland. They want to open up their bars and restaurants in downtown. And you and I have made it clear, Pam, look, we're for, hey, personally, I'm not going to make it clear for you. Personally, I'm for opening up everything. Let people decide. I agree. Open it up. Businesses will do what is in the best interest of their business. People will make the decision of whether or not it's a good idea to go and gather in large groups. People are going to do what they want to do. And I think that in this case, DeWine has said it best that when the economy is, quote, opened up, that people will have to weigh the benefit and the risk. And I think all of that is is valid. But I have a deeper question, and this goes to this letter that the council members uh, signed originally. And then this additional letter that was sent only from Miss Bailey and, and Mr. Weisgerber. But when you're talking about opening up the economy, what does that look like? I guess that's where I'm still kind of confused. Because if you think about this whole idea of the economy in itself, it's a very complex issue. 
there's lots of parts to it. There's lots of people involved in it. There's lots of supply lines involved in it. You know what I mean? So my point is, is what does that look like? I'm going to go a little big picture here for a moment. And I'm going to be as brief and as not wordy as I normally am on this. The economy was quote unquote closed or the bars and restaurants were closed because there is an incredibly contagious virus that would require a significant amount of the population to be hospitalized. On top of that, we're looking at a significant amount of a certain population, people that have health issues, older people, things like that, that will die from this virus. And as a matter of fact, you have people all over the TV. I know former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was just on a program yesterday saying that people will die. So you have our own politicians saying that when we reopen the economy, people will die. This isn't hyperbole. It's what's happening. And people are making the decision whether or not that, that risk is worth it. And some people feel like it is. So understand, back to the beginning, it's all happened because of a highly contagious virus that requires a portion of the population to be hospitalized and another portion that will die. So when we talk about reopening the economy, we got to accept the facts, Pam. People will get sick and some people will die. So when city manager Dave Kennedy and Mayor Bailey and Vice Mayor Weisgerber write that letter, they are acknowledging what all the experts are saying. They are acknowledging that if you open the economy of Loveland, people will die. So that means us as the people have to make that decision. What is the risk? From my basic knowledge of medicine, Pam, I think if you die, you're dead. There's nothing, you you, you don't do anything. You can't go to restaurants. You can't, I don't <laughs> think they let you fly. You can't go buy anything. It's over. And we, we won't get into a metaphysical discussion of heaven and hell and earth or whatever, any of that other things. But if you're dead, it's over. I don't want to take that risk. If you go to the hospital, there's expenses. Insurance, no insurance. I don't want to take that risk. So as Mayor Bailey and Vice Mayor Weisgerber and City Manager Kennedy are so pushing this, first off, I want them to acknowledge that people will get sick and die. And I also want them to acknowledge what's going to happen when those restaurants aren't full. What's going to happen when the bars aren't full? Now, I know what will not, what definitely, according to the city manager, it doesn't matter because whatever they give the city doesn't matter. It's insignificant. So if they're pushing so hard for economically insignificant businesses to open, I I guess I want to know why are they willing to risk the health and the lives of some Lovelanders? Am I being, am am I asking too big of a question? I think you are, Ryan, actually. I mean, I do, because I can't answer that question. What I know is from my own personal feelings is that I, as you know, I have a mom Mm -hmm. who is in a nursing home. I went and got her out of that nursing home about a month ago. So she's actually been at my house for the last month. I will not do anything. And I got her out because I'm concerned about the fact that nursing homes is the most vulnerable population. I think what a lot of people are missing in this, and I understand the need to want to have your bars and restaurants and be able to gather and and be able to go back to some type of normal normalcy that we had prior to all of the virus. But we're not going to go back to that. I think what people don't understand is that the people who are going to go down and who are really pushing for let's open everything up and I'm fine with opening everything up. I'm just not going to be one of the people that are going to be down there gathering and doing all of those things because I have someone in my household who is vulnerable. And even though I'm not sick, even though younger people may not be sick, look at all these people who are asymptomatic 
who are not sick. What they don't understand is they can be a carrier for things, for the virus, which when you go to visit your grandma or your grandpa or whatever, they are vulnerable. That's why you have to practice social distancing. That's why you really need to limit the fact that you don't want these big groups. That's why you do it. And Ryan, I think the greatest example I can give is look what's happening right now in our food supply line. We have major problems in our meat distributions right now because a lot of the meat processing plants are shutting down and it's because they work in closed, close environments. And a lot of those people weren't sick when they went to work. They are asymptomatic. This is what people don't understand it, but stand about it. This is why you have to be careful. And this is why I think when city council did their big thing with, you know, we're going to have our door event. And if you recall, after that Tuesday, they were going to have this big open drinking downtown, encouraged people to come downtown, and then not only encouraged them to come downtown, actually had the city set up picnic tables, Mm -hmm. additional picnic tables all along the bike trail and everything. And they put them all up on Thursday. And then all of a sudden they were magically gone on Friday. Pam, I know certain people who don't trust the city administration or city government who went and took pictures of that stuff and just sent it up to the Ohio Health Department because there are people who will be leading. And I I guess the whole bigger point of this is that the economy reopened. But but that's been been their operation this entire time. That's why for them to sit here and send this letter and say, open up the economy and promise that we'll abide by the social distancing and do all the health directives and they haven't followed them now. Well, no, and they, they continue, they will continue not to. But we were one of the last people to close up the playgrounds, to close up the athletic equipment. We were very, very late in all this stuff. And hey, maybe the city council and the city administration do not believe that coronavirus COVID-19 is that big of a deal. If they don't, Pam, while they while they encourage opening everything up, while the vice mayor and the mayor encourage the governor to allow the restaurants to open, then I want to see all of our elected officials. I want to see our city manager. I want to see them posting pictures of them at the restaurants. I want to see them supporting this because this is where I am getting annoyed. I hear it from the national level all the way down to the local level. Open the economy. Open this up. Let people get haircuts. Let's do this. But the people that want to do all that stuff, they're not the ones going into public. The coronavirus is not gone. I will be the first to say that the hospitals and what everyone did was a worst case scenario. And God bless everyone in America, Pam, for listening in March and sheltering in place and social distancing. We didn't have worst case scenario. But now everybody seems to think It's gone, including our city government, that it's gone. Let's reopen everything up. I think they're being irresponsible is what I'm saying. I don't care that they think we need to open all businesses. But why do we hear nothing from our city government about Mike's car wash? They're headquartered in Loveland, and they put a hell of a lot more money in our coffers than those downtown businesses do. Why aren't they talking about McCabe Lumber? Why aren't they talking about these businesses opening? And I'll tell you why, because our city council doesn't care about businesses in Loveland. They just care about a few of their friends that like to get drunk on the streets during the weekend. Ryan, here's, I think, where I'm frustrated. And I think this comes from the fact that I was on council. And so I know what it's like to sit in those chairs. I know what it's like to have kind of inside baseball information. Okay, I I get it. And I also understand that sometimes you have to make unpopular decisions. You have to make difficult decisions. 
But I think this is where my frustration is, is with this letter with open up the economy. We're back to my original question. What does that look like? So here's the thing that I would have respected much more. Mayor Bailey, Vice Mayor Weisgerber, the rest of council. If you're going to sign something like that and you're going to say, this is hurting our businesses and we need to open up our economy. Okay, I can respect that. Tell me how it's going to work. Tell me what you're going to do. Tell me that. Tell me why you are putting up picnic tables to encourage large amounts of people to come downtown. You should be doing the opposite. And I think that's my problem is that they don't tell you that. They don't tell you, we want you to open up our economy so that our businesses can operate. They will be following the health directives. We will follow the health directives. That means that our police and that our public works people will be wearing masks when they interact with the public. When the police see large people, large amounts of people gathering all together that they will tell them, hey, you know what? We need to social distance. That's the responsible thing to do. This is what I'm saying is opening up the economy is fine, but tell me what the rules are and tell me how that, what that looks like and how it's going to work. Don't just tell me and write some silly letter that tells me you have to open up the economy. You read that letter and they ask the governor to do directives. If you know you want the economy to open, And I don't know who's advising the city of Loveland on health policy. I do know who's advising them on business policy. But they think that this is the way to save Loveland. This is a way to open the economy. You're right, Pam. Then they need to have suggestions of how this is going to work. And if it's everybody has to sit six feet apart, you can't have more than 10 people in a restaurant, and everyone has to wear a mask, none of those restaurants downtown are going to survive. That's just the fact. These are razor-thin margin businesses. They need to turn people over. They need to have bands there. They need to have crowds there. And if the city of Loveland and the mayor and the vice mayor, who are the only ones to sign the second letter, the one that went out today, which the rest of the city council, I think you should explain why your signature is not on there. But still, if you put this letter out and you encourage this kind of behavior and you want these restaurants to get to their most optimal way to make money, then you are accepting the fact that people will get sick and people will die. That is not a conspiracy. That is a fact. I want to move, though, Pam, to talk about the gatherings here because this is important. As we were preparing for this podcast, I had a little bit of a technical difficulty and I I had to fix it, so we're recording later. But in that time, this is how fast the news moves in Loveland, in that time, multiple media outlets in the Loveland area here were reporting about a gathering that's going to happen in downtown Loveland on Saturday. A group, and I'm not, look, you guys can read it yourself. I'm not going through all this stuff, but a group that wants to encourage the governor to reopen the businesses of the state are going to be gathering in downtown Loveland this Saturday, I believe. That's their plan. And it's going to, I mean, you've seen these on TV all over the place, people saying reopen, you know, the government, reopen the business, not the government. I think most of us want the government's closed, you know, for personal reasons. But they're all like, let's reopen businesses. And they're going to have a a thing in here in Loveland. Not everyone's happy about this. And as a matter of fact, if you go to Loveland Local News, there's been a a lot of articles. We've posted some of them ourselves about the organizers, who they're doing. I know they're getting some information from city officials. And even city manager Dave Kennedy sent us a press release while we were recording this. 
But there will be a gathering downtown because the city encourages it. As a matter of fact, the person who is organizing this gathering said they felt like Mayor Bailey and Vice Mayor Weisgerber support her ideas because of that letter to reopen the economy. They're going to go down there, Pam, and I don't know if they're going to social distance, but you look at a lot of these protests, they're not. I don't know if they're going to wear masks, and I don't know if the city's going to decide to, what's the best word, pick on them. Because for six weeks plus now, the city I've seen people gathering downtown like mad. We see people all sitting underneath awnings of businesses drinking and having a good time, and the city's never said a thing about it. Is it safe to say the city's encouraging this this little gathering on Saturday? Well, I think it's interesting because if you read the quote from the person who is coordinating this event, she said that she believes because Mayor Bailey and Weisgerber and the rest of the council members, because don't forget, they, they don't get a pass either because they signed an original letter that asked for the economy to be reopened. She said, based on the fact that they've reached out to the governor and have put that in writing and sent him a letter, that they're in agreement and encouraging this group and what they want to accomplish. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, that's fair. Have you seen any other locality who has done that, that their elective representatives have done that? I don't think they have. And this is my point. I think that is actually a fair way of looking at something is that these people are looking at, hey, Loveland. Their representatives sent a letter and they agree with us. So we're going down there to support them because that's exactly what that letter stated. This group believes that the economy should be reopened. That means you agree with that group. Well, plus the city of Loveland. You signed the letter. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. But the city of Loveland is not just agreeing with this group. They spent their last meeting passing legislation, Pam, or changing ordinances or doing things to encourage people to gather downtown. That's what they've done. So a group of people comes that you don't like. Wait a second. You're going to make the decision on who gets to go down there and not? To be fair to the city, they haven't said we don't want these people coming. But I know a lot of people are bent out of shape one way or the other. Look, I believe in the entire U.S. Constitution and all the all the I almost said commandments, amendments to it that are that are in there, except for the one that bans liquor. But there's one that, you know, brings it back. I don't agree with the one that bans liquor. So I don't know if that makes me un-American or super American. I have no problem with the protest. I have no problem with that. I personally believe, as everyone knows here, that I think people should socially distance. I don't think people should gather. I don't think people should be hanging downtown and eating picnics and doing that stuff because there's a virus that's contagious and deadly to groups of people out there, Pam. That's why. But if people want to make that decision, they can do that. I just want to know why all of a sudden, especially supporters of this council and everybody, is so concerned with people gathering downtown this Saturday. They've been doing it for weeks, Pam, and the city has done nothing about it. This is what you get. What happens is when you make these decisions, because I I don't know why, because you only care about bars and restaurants that, according to the city manager, I'm going to say it again, Pam, are insignificant to our bottom line. But that's all as a council you care about and you want to do everything to get groups there. You might start getting groups that are going to cause controversy. Thank you for that, because here's the reality. Every action has a reaction. This council, led by Miss Bailey, Wob Weisgerber, and the rest of her merry men. The bottom line is you wrote the letter. You guys signed the letter asking that the economy be reopened. You may not have sent an engraved invitation to this group or any other group, but your 
actions created the reaction you're now getting. So for you now to try to backtrack and say, oh, well, you know, that's not what we meant. We didn't talk to this group. This is a group that agrees with your letter. To kind of wrap up the whole thing, Pam, I don't think either of us are against what the letter says. I don't think either of us are against what, quote unquote, opening the economy means. We'll talk about this in future episodes. There's a whole different notion for us to really know like what's going to happen when this doesn't work the way they think it's going to work. But for the city, because I, I can make the decision not to go downtown. I'm not going this Saturday, and I didn't go last Saturday and the Saturday before because I don't want to risk my health or the people I am with their health. That is my decision. If you want to open your business, I encourage that. And if you have a hair salon and you want to open it and people want to go see you, that's on them. But let's accept the facts. Every expert, politicians, both parties have said, you do this, People will get sick and people will die. And when that happens in Loveland, what is the plan for the city? I I think that's just the point I'm trying to make. So get on your high horse, do whatever you want, puff your chest. Your supporters can continue to cover you politically. The fact is you're being exposed on a leadership level now. And like all exposure, Pam, it's not pretty to see. Well, I agree with everything you said there, except right at the very beginning about the fact that you don't disagree or whatever with the letter. I do. Okay. (laughs) I would have never signed that letter. I would have never voted to send a letter. And I certainly would have never, if you read that letter, and by the way, we will post it. Mm -hmm. If you read the letter, I actually don't agree with a lot of stuff in that letter. My point is, is that if you're going to send it and that is your feelings, then you have to understand that it's going to come with a reaction. You are getting that reaction. And you can't now just say, oh, well, that's not what I meant, or try to say, well, that's a group that's from a different place. They shouldn't be down here. Folks, you started this. Miss Bailey and Mr. Weisgerber, you did this. You own it. Look, I'm only dedicated to do this once a week, Pam, but God, if news keeps going like this... (laughs) We might have to have a daily show here pretty soon. (laughs) Oh, please don't do that. No, 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 no. (laughs) Well, here, with all that being said, (laughs) the Voice of Loveland, the podcast for ionloveland.com, is a production of Ion Community. This episode was engineered, Mick, got over technical difficulties, and then continued on with Pam Gross and Ryan Kulik. And the music is by my father-in-law, Sherrod Sate. One little programming note. One of the shows that we do produce, High Heels and Politics with Marianne Christie, is going to be coming back very soon here for its second season with a kickoff of an interview with Governor Mike DeWine. That's going to be coming. Uh, we're tentatively scheduled to do the interview the end of May, so we're looking at early June. If you guys out there have some questions that you want us to pass along to Marianne, reach us. Feel free. I'm not going to ask obviously put disrespectful questions forward, but please. And there's still weeks to go. Like I said, we are tentatively scheduled for the end of May. Glad you said that because we also have some other things that we're working on as well with some other very prominent people, decision makers here in Ohio. We're about to launch our newest podcast and it is an interview show and it's called Backyard Politics. And we've got a really great guest uh, lined up that's going to launch that. And uh, I think that the listeners are really, I think you guys all out there that listen to us here, you're really going to like some of the uh, people we have lined up. 
Yeah, it's kind of think of it as uh, meet the press for the Southwest Ohio area. We'll do interviews and then have people discuss, you know, kind of the issues going on around here. Yeah. And it's not going to be just centered on Loveland. No, 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 no. Because this is, you know, this is where we're really going to start talking about Miami Township and Sims Township and pretty much whatever's going on in our uh, politics around here in this uh, a little bit of Southwest and beyond, I guess, is the best way to say it. All right. That's all I have. Anything left? Nope. Everyone, thanks so much for listening and uh, for some of our tirades. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this has been a stressful time for all Mm -hmm. of us. So anyway, but everyone, please be informed, be involved, be influential.